informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, July 26th. 2023, the Feast of St. Anne. Uh, did you know St. Anne is on the line of the Essenes? I didn't either. I found that out this morning. I was very impressed. The group was known for their religious practices. You may know John the Baptist was likely an Essene himself. And the Essenes were descendants of priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant during Moses' time, and they lived in a manner resembling, resembling the form of religious life today. Now, St. Anne is well known for not being the most beautiful of women, but she was, it was said, that she was prettier than the other women, but she wasn't like the stunning beauty like Our Lady was. It wasn't as much as that. However, she was, in fact, more beautiful than the other girls. However, even though that was not the case, she was distinguished and pious and pure in character. And to this day, it is said, all Anns are beautiful. That's why we get the idea of uh, adding the name Anne to people's names. So you get Joanne, Marianne, uh, Anne-Marie, all these kind of names is because everyone has said the idea of all Anns are beautiful. And they wanted to stick that in someone's name. At the age of five, she was taken to the temple and spent 12 years there before she returned home at the age of 17. St. Anne was advised by a prophet to marry St. Joachim. I wish a prophet would set me up on a date and reform the tribe of David for telling something extraordinary from their union. St. Joachim was a man of charming manners and both were mature and serious individuals. St. Anne suffered, though, from sterility, and she suffered well, though. This was something that was something she did very, very well. What did she do? She spent her days in prayer and fasting and almsgiving for a miracle of conception. And eventually God granted her that miracle, and she conceived the Blessed Virgin Mary herself, the mother of Jesus Christ. And it was a very beautiful thing to see a woman who was spurned by the community because children are a blessing. And it was seen as a favor from Almighty God to have kids and have many of them. And now she receives the the second greatest child he could possibly have, second to our Lord himself. So for everyone searching for a holy spouse, for everyone who has struggles in their marriages, for everyone who is seeking to have kids and struggling to have a child to pray to St. Anne today. So together we say, St. Anne, pray Pray for for us. us. Amen. Amen. Happy Wednesday to you. Uh, Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Adrian. Good to be here. Wednesday, we're halfway through the week. Can you believe it? Almost there. So close. Hey, say a prayer for my mom and my sister. They come into Texas today, the great Republic of Texas. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them. It's going to be great. God. Yeah. Uh, any plans? Any particular places you're thinking, like, this is the place that we got to take them? A hundred percent. You know where I'm going to take her? Mm, your house. Bucky's. Bucky's. Let's there go. go. I always take people to the two places I take people to in Houston. Kind of weird for most people to think about is one, a gas station, Bucky's, <laughs> and two, a furniture store, a gallery furniture. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to take her there. Yeah, this uh, morning broadcast is sponsored by. 
Bucky's. Just kidding. Unless, unless you want. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Bucky's will take if they, a, Yeah, if they want to send us a sponsorship, a sponsorship I, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, praise be to God. Uh, those are some good places to go. I, I like gallery furniture. It's kind of weird. They have uh, monkeys in this furniture store. Yeah, and it's stained like, glass. And yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. So Mattress Mac, uh, pretty cool guy. Uh, before we dive too much into the and talking about furniture, I do have to say good morning to Catholic Spirit Radio and the Guadalupe Radio Network. GM. Good morning to you and GM. Not general manager, but good morning. <laughs> yeah, good morning. <laughs> and also, I have a message from our, the president of the Guadalupe Radio Network, Sammy Rodriguez Jr. He said he wants to share an inspiring and encouraging message with you during these trying times. To look out for a letter from him these coming days. And if you don't receive one, make sure you reach out to him, GRN Online at GRNOnline.com. Just make sure you email him there, GRNOnline at GRNOnline.com. And he'll happily, happily send you one. If you get one, I haven't heard from anybody yet if anybody got one. Yet. I don't know if he's even sent them yet. So I have to ask him because I'm, I'm looking for anyone to be like, hey, yeah, yeah, Adrian, I got the I got the letter. It was amazing. Uh, so far, no one's told me they received the letter. So if you have not received it, make sure you send a let- an email out to Sammy um, and make sure I'd be love to hear if you get that letter. It is the king's address. King Sammy Rodriguez, the president of the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's the, uh, the Gettysburg address. Peace the, be upon him. The president president's address well at 15 past the hour a massachusetts man calls police because someone sent him a letter making fun of his blm sign so that's a funny story <laughs> we're gonna talk about that at 15 past the hour it's it's pretty it's pretty amusing at 30 past the hour now this is very concerning a teen was jailed for illegally burning a body now we're talking about the details of that story of why is a teen doing something like this um where are the parents Yikes, there's a lot of information about this story that I think we will discuss in depth. At 40 fast, pa- 45 past the hour, there, I can, I can speak. Don't, why are you looking at me like that? They, they took, um, people who took these, this drug called, maybe you've heard of it, Prozempic. It was a weight loss drug. Yikes, some major side effects have just come out and it's, it's bad. It's pretty bad. So that's coming up at 45 past the hour. Plus, a sermon on St. Anne. I just decided that I love St. Anne today. I was reading her biography, and then I was like, oh, wow. And I started reading uh, a sermon from St. Vincent Ferrer, and I was like, oh, wow, St. Anne is amazing. And I, I, had no, I had no idea. I just never thought about her too much. So I'm going to share that with you in the next hour. And, of course, our Fear and Trembling game show. We have uh, probably the coolest prize we've ever had given away this week. So make sure you tune in. Thank you to Nick and Nelia for your generous donation of this prize to give away this week a uh, a prize pack from the Holy Land. Ooh, ah! And we're not talking about Bucky's. And we're not talking about Bucky's <laughs> this time. Maybe next time. But let's begin in prayer. We'll pray for your intentions, whatever it is that you have going on in your life. We're praying for that for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We pray for the end to sexual trafficking, of, the, of child trafficking. And, of course, we pray for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O oh my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted. One mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, 
one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death and the deliverance of that soul in purgatory which is nearest heaven I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus our Lord amen May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are your Wednesday headlines. The Washington Times reports judge vacates desertion conviction of Bo Bergdahl, former U.S. soldier captured in Afghanistan. Bergdahl was charged with desertion and misbehavior before the enemy. After he left his post in Afghanistan in 2009, he said he was trying to get outside of his post so that he could report what he saw as poor leadership within his unit, that he was abducted by the Taliban and held captive for nearly five years. Several U.S. service members were wounded searching for Bergdahl. In 2014, he was returned to the U.S. in a prisoner swap for five Taliban leaders who were being held at Guantanamo Bay. The Blaze reports Biden administration weighs lifting some China sanctions in exchange for cooperation combating fentanyl crisis. Chinese officials are demanding the Biden administration remove sanctions against the Chinese Institute of Forensic Science, a police forensics institute accused of committing human rights abuses against Uyghurs in Xinjiang. The CCP denied the allegations and claimed that the sanctions, which were instated by the Trump administration, have hindered the country's ability to utilize the institute's narcotics lab to prevent the drug crisis. According to the CDC, there were more than 100,000 overdose deaths in the U.S. in 2022 alone. And Catholic News Agency reports dictatorship in Nicaragua freezes fund for retired priests. Please pray for these priests. The dictatorship of President Daniel Ortega and his wife, Vice President Rosario Murillo, which is an unfortunate name considering her name is Rosary, has frozen the church's retirement fund for elderly priests. Back in May, the regime ordered the bank accounts of parishes and dioceses in, in Nicaragua to be frozen, and then ordered something similar in June affecting priests. Those were your headline news this morning. Keep it dialed in on Catholic Drive Time for more. Back to you, Adrian. And the gospel of the day comes from the gospel according to Matthew. Here our Lord tells a parable about the sower and the seeds. He casts these seeds, and some are passed by the wayside and eaten by birds. Others are on the stony ground and are but then wither and die because they lack depth. Some seeds fall among the thorns and they grow, but then the thorns choke them out. And finally, some fall on the good ground and produce abundant fruit. So that's the parable for the day. Now, it's very interesting to analyze because at the verse 1 and 2 here, it's very interesting because it says, And the great multitude were gathered together unto him, that so he went up into a boat and sat, and all the multitude stood on the shore. Now, it's interesting because... Our Lord would gather crowds this large that he was not able to preach to them to the point that he was had to get on a boat and get onto the water and preach from the water. Now, it's also curious to just wonder about because, you know, there's two things that could be thought of there. One, it could be a miracle of hearing or a miracle of speaking that everyone was able to hear him. It's also interesting to think about instead, though, that perhaps the sound waves just traveled across the water. You know that on a if you ever went fishing early in the morning on a and a across the sea, across water, like a large lake or a large pond, you can the sound waves travel really far. So it's interesting to think about. Now, the question of the parable here is there's a number of things that could be talked about, and I just want to focus on just a couple of things. One is that 
the whenever our Lord speaks in parables, and many people may ask, okay, why does he do this? Why speak in parables? Why not just tell them what you mean? Well, our Lord answers this in verse 9 when he says, He that he hath ears, let him hear. Now, why does he say this? He's saying not everybody is actually going to pay attention. Not everyone is going to want to know the truth. And so if I just tell you the truth, it may go in one ear and out the other. But if I give you it in a parable, one, it becomes more memorable. And two, you're a, you are required something. You are required to listen, not just take in information, but listen, analyze, and try to understand. And then you seek after, because now it's not 100% clear. So what do you have to do? You have to go to our Lord and ask him to reveal the meaning behind the parable. And then post the resurrection of our Lord, when our Lord no longer is here preaching out loud to us, what has left behind? The church. And so we go to the church to explain the scriptures. We go to the church to explain what these parables mean. This is a, a very, something that has very, been, very much been lost with the Protestant Revolution. And this is, goes against a rebuke against the Sadducees and Pharisees who were so proud, they refused to try to humble themselves and ask our Lord to explain. Cornelius Lapida even says, Therefore to you, O ye Jews, I, Christ, speak not clearly, but darkly in parables. As the Alphacat says, For he who hath a small spark of goodness and does not stir it by means of the Spirit in spiritual things must of necessity have it extinguished. You must have a desire for the truth and seek after the truth. This is why God makes things difficult. This is why God gives trials, tribulations, and temptations. Because it gives you an opportunity to overcome, to seek after, to suffer. To suffer is good. It is not a bad thing to suffer. To someone who says, I hate suffering, hates the cross. And if you hate the cross, then you hate our Lord. So we cannot hate suffering. This is something that we have to keep in mind. And finally, St. Augustine says that these words have a meaning to preachers. Those who preach the doctrine of the faith. He said, you who are going to be preachers, use the doctrine given to you by God. Communicate it. Be diligent. Preach it. And when you do, if you are faithful to the doctrines, and if you preach it well, you prepare well, and you preach it with zealousness, then that preaching will abound in your own hearts, and water will flow, and it'll flower and bloom, and it'll produce much fruit in those that are listening, but also in your own hearts. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, since every religion claims to be true, well, then none of them are true? Even though this is not a very intelligent comment, it does not prevent people from saying it. 
G.K. Chesterton says probably one of the creeds is right and the others are wrong. Logically, most of the views must be wrong. But there's nothing logical to the idea that all must be wrong. Think about betting on a horse. Many people bet on the wrong horse, but some bet on the right horse. And sometimes even the favorite has been known to come in first. But that's the point. Something comes in first. The fact that there are many beliefs does not destroy the fact that there is one well-founded belief. So don't say that the variety of beliefs prevents you from accepting any beliefs. It's not logical. And it's not a very good way to bet, either. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's 17 past the hour. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I saw this story and I was kind of amused. I was, it was almost worth not talking about just because it was kind of just more of a funny story. But I think it does have cultural significance that this happened. Also, I kind of just wanted to talk about it. I think it's kind of funny. This is reported by Tim Cass News. Massachusetts man calls police on neighbor for sending a greeting card making fun of his family's BLM and LGBTQ flags. this is uh really amusing so the man dave thomas of hanover was of course informed that the complaint card was protected under the first amendment and did not qualify as harassment well that's good i'm glad that they didn't just like arrest the dude and now if they arrested the guy this would be national news because this would be that'd be a big deal so the fact that they are like okay it's not you can't arrest the guy for sending you a letter but officer, he hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's pretty amusing. So this is how the letter goes. This is great. This is great. Hi, neighbor. Thank you for helping keep our property taxes so low due to the fact that your home is, let's just say, garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it started. You wrote this, Ben Shapiro? <laughs> <laughs> let's just say. Well, no, I, I added just to say, because uh, <laughs> okay, he used a different word. He used a different <laughs> word that I'm, I'm not going to repeat. Uh, the anonymous neighbor offered the following suggestions for the Thomas family to fix up the property. He said, quote, paint it. Two, take down the pride flag. No one cares. Three, <laughs> take down the BLM sign. BLM is a scam. And four, pull the Sanders, the Sanders sticker off the mailbox. It's a law. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in, in their area that uh, you can't keep a, a politician um, stickers and advertisements after the election. You know, uh, it's I, a have, law in many places. I have something against that. Yeah. Because people put up all of these signs, right, when it's election season. They're mm-hmm. like, I mean, you're going down the parking lot in a... Anywhere. Hundreds and hundreds. And you can't even read anywhere. Yeah. And then everything goes by and, you know, elections happen and, and nobody takes them down. Yeah. And they're there forever. Yeah. This is why in most places there's laws saying after the election, you got to get rid of them because, yeah, people just leave them up forever. And it's just it's very annoying and it makes things ugly, too, because there's just like dozens of them yeah. on just like the side of the road. And then the, here's the best part. You'll like this. Rudy. Finally. Move to California or Oregon <laughs> so you can enjoy living with the rest of the nuts. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. It's pretty funny. So the Thomas family called the police who said that they would investigate but told them that just like the flags, the Constitution protects the complaint as there is no threats made. And Thomas said, it was just kind of a little frightening. They want us to take down the pride flags. It says no one cares. Take down the Black Lives Matter signs. Black Lives Matter is a scam, they said. They want us to take down our Bernie Sanders sticker off the mailbox. It's a law, they said. We have every right to put these flags in front of our house and to express our opinions. I've been seeing a lot of people expressing their opinions in a lot more impolite ways. 
And um, I think this is, uh, one sense, I think this is good. Because yeah. the fact that someone was willing to um, speak out publicly against the, your, your woke signs, I, I almost wish that there was a sign that was like, in this house, we believe in climate change and we... Uh, take uh we say that black lives do matter and we say what are the other ones i forget what it is now but there's i'm sure everybody's seen the sign everywhere we believe in science yeah that's one of them and there's a couple other ones yeah and it's like their own it's like their own credo it's their own creed <laughs> and I, it would have been funnier if that was one of them and he was like can you like take that down like nobody cares what you believe or something like that it's just kind of funny <laughs> but it's a good sign because more people are willing to come out and condemn these uh, woke ideas and it ha this is what has to happen and people have to be able to feel comfortable that they are not going to be arrested they're not going to be their lives are not going to be destroyed because they speak out against the woke mob the reason why the left has had so much hold over the culture is because anytime that anyone would say even something as simple as i don't like your sign they're like, oh, we got to call the police on this guy. I'm going to ruin your life now. Basically. I'm going to call your employer, and I'm going to get you fired because you have wrong think. Don't ever challenge my ideas. I will destroy your life if you have anything contrary to my, we believe black lives matter, no human is illegal, love is love, women's rights are human rights, science is real, water is life, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice anywhere, sign. <laughs> This is what it? the sign says. Oh, man. And there you go, folks. Uh, I wonder if that applies to uh, Hunter Biden. Now, there's regional, there's regional variations. One of them says kindness is everything. Oh. And then some of them will say, you know, other things. Uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of hope that whoever created this sign is actually conservative and they're just like laughing their way to the bank because people buy these things. <laughs> <laughs> I would never put anything on my yard with anything like that <laughs> yeah i mean not even the things that i actually believe in I mean, right i do put out you know uh like uh, cigarette hard flags and that sort of thing but uh, and maybe i'll print nobody out like knows what that is should i like print out like a credo just like the creed and then put that in a sign in this house i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and you in should, jesus christ our only son our lord you should uh investigate what the loudest decibel you could have a uh, mm -hmm. sound level in your neighborhood and you should just have it playing in Gregorian chant. Mm. Yeah. And they're like, hey, can you come and take care of this guy? I'm sorry, I can't. It's right under the decibel level. So you don't have to, you don't have to deal with it, chump. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of amusing. The, yeah, no. I mean, it's good to have certain things like this, like uh, public shrines. Um, the, what do they call them? They call them streets, streets, um, street shrines where you have a shrine facing the street and people when they pass by they'll see an image of our lord our lady and you know it's interesting that you bring that up because um this idea because our friend alan uh, mallory he came by and he had a a sign Pretty of our lady a very sign. innocuous sign yeah. he said that he had like, put it up because it was like um against like the all the crazy things going on in the culture but the, the sign didn't actually say anything the sign all it said was Lord, if you wish, heal us. Matthew 8, 2. And then it was this picture of an American flag and uh, the painting of the Immaculate Conception. That's what the painting, what, that's what the sign was. That's it. If you, Lord, if you wish, heal us. That's it. Nothing else. You can interpret that in any possible, if you are a woke person, you could easily say, oh, obviously it's saying heal us of racism. 
Um, if you were someone on the on the more on the right wing, you could say, "Ah, oh, heal us of I don't know LGBT ideology." You could literally just <laughs> fill in the blank with whatever your personal belief is, and yet somebody went out of their way and destroyed the sign, kicked it and broke it in half, and then kicked down the sign and bent over his, the uh, the little metal piece that holds up the sign. And this is clearly a hatred of Our Lady, clearly a hatred of Our Lord, because what other reason do you have? to destroy a sign like that it's very clear that people hate what is good in fact the point of impact when our friend alan brought this sign in it was very close to our lady and i was uh, hypothesizing i said alan i think that person was so enraged by our lady that they tried to kick the image the holy image of our lady and they missed and that probably got them so mad that they then broke the sign in half they they were just enraged for some reason we we're, were trying to figure out why this person who could it be would it be a man or could it be a woman why what what are the reasons somebody would kick down a sign like that it might be because they're baptists or something i don't know yeah could be could be i mean protestants really hate our lady they, they do. really hate our lady and it's it's a stumbling block for them it's a big um it's a very interesting because it's very it's very demonic the way they yeah. react to our lady and they, they consider her an idol, and so they feel justified in destroying images of Our Lady. And I mean, woe to you who disrespects the mother of our Lord. Um, I, our Lord was, the, was perfect, right? Yeah. And so he kept the commandments perfectly. So the fourth commandment, he would have kept it perfectly. Honor thy father and mother. And if he is required to honor his father and mother, what would the correct response be if someone destroyed an image of your mother? If you had a friend, someone who claimed to be your friend, and you had a picture of your mother up in your house, and he walked up to the picture of your mother and threw it on the ground, what would you do? How would you react? I mean, I know for one thing, I would not be friends with that person very, very much longer. That's for certain. And they said, oh, but this is idol worship. That picture of your mom on your, on your wall, clearly you have turned your mother into an idol. Uh, what an absurdity. What an absurdity. And so, yes, it is uh, very, very concerning. And I think the correct response is uh, if you don't have Our Lady as your mother, you do not have Christ as your brother. And, I mean, if you don't have Our Lady as your mother, you're no brother of mine either. So, Mic drop right there. Yeah, there you go, folks. So, anyway, that's the story from Massachusetts. I thought it was pretty funny and amusing. And I think it'll be good to see uh, more people. I'm willing to stand up and say, you know what? I'm fed up with it. It's over. I don't want anything else with this. So moving on to this other story, I think this is also a pretty interesting situation. Uh, have you heard of threads? Threads, yeah. Not, not your clothes. Not your clothes. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the kids call their clothes these days, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, put on my threads. Threads is a division of meta. And what are they, like a Twitter alternative or something? Right. So they're trying to compete with Twitter. And immediately everybody was thinking it was hopping on the bandwagon. All the leftists came out praising it, saying, yeah, this is it. This is, this is the way to go. And then everybody immediately abandoned ship after Jim Cramer with CNBC said, oh, yeah, this is going to skyrocket. This is going to go to the moon. And immediately it crashed, um, nice. as it always does. It's kind of a joke with Jim Cramer. Everything he endorses crashes. <laughs> And so it's great. There's actually a uh, there's actually a market that someone created a market fund that invests in the things that uh, that uh, that bets against everything that Jim Cramer endorses, and it actually does fairly well. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's pretty amusing. But the Meta Social site threads it was initially seen as a potential Twitter killer because it was able to drag in all of their users from Facebook and Instagram, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's over for Twitter." But according to Wall Street Journal, Threads' daily user engagement has dropped to around 13 million members, which it might sound like a lot, but that's a 70% decrease from its peak wow. on July 7th. 70% decrease. Additionally, users of iOS and Android apps are spending an average of only four minutes per day on Threads, which, praise be to God, uh, while Twitter's daily users around 200 million with an average time spent on the app around 30 minutes. That's terrible, but good for Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you mean X? Oh, yeah. They changed the name to X. I forgot about that. Yeah, say Twitter changed their name to X. I guess, uh, actually, it's nothing deep, to be honest. Elon just likes the letter X. Uh, but it's interesting because many people were praising this, but immediately there was censorship going on. There was a lot of people getting kicked off the platform, like right off the bat. It was very, very concerning, not to mention... Meta's notorious for harvesting data and selective marketing to you. This brainwashing through the uh, through the apps is very very concerning. So I'm very happy that this is in fact the case. Uh, not to mention that uh, the Elon Musk claims that Threads stole their proprietary coding and to make Threads, and so that's another concerning thing that's going on with Meta. So, very concerning. I'm glad that that's happening, that the uh, Threads is going out of business. Uh, let's just say less social media. I was actually going to download it because I was like, okay, be on more platforms, right? I almost did too. But I don't want it on my phone. Yeah. I don't want it on my phone. They, didn't have a, they don't have a desktop version of it. And I was like, I only use social media on my computer because I don't want – I'm so tired of being addicted to social media. And I'm tracked. so sick of it. And being tracked constantly – them reading your text messages, reading your emails, reading all your stuff. And now I'm like, I don't even want to text other people because they're reading their text, which I'm texting them. I'm like, just, dude, just everybody get off of it. Just get off of it. Anyway, coming up, we're going to be talking about Joe Biden. Uh, is he getting treated fairly? We'll see. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are your breaking news and headlines. Ground News reports, 
911 workers say centers are understaffed, struggling to hire, and plagued by burnout. A national survey of 911 call center workers found that many centers are understaffed, leading to longer wait times and difficulty reaching operators. The survey also highlighted worker burnout and the need for more training. Nationwide staffing shortages in call centers mirror those in police departments and law enforcement agencies and have been exacerbated by negative perceptions of public safety careers. Brown News also reports U.S. Virgin Islands levels new accusations against J.P. Morgan and says the bank ignored Epstein's misdeeds. The U.S. Virgin Islands has accused J.P. Morgan and Chase of ignoring red flags about Jeffrey Epstein's sexual abuse of young women and underage girls and is suing the bank for $190 million. Documents filed by the territory reveal that J.P. Morgan and Chase made payments to Epstein's associate Jelaine Maxwell and to Epstein's victims. And finally, LifeSite News reports House member urges Congress to criminalize CBDCs, saying they're a tool for coercion and control. If you're wondering what a CBDC is, I'll explain to you in just a second. A U.S. representative, Warren Davidson, has called for Congress to ban and criminalize central bank digital currencies, condemning them as a tool for coercion and control by the government. However, Eswar Prasad, senior professor of trade policy at Cornell University, recently admitted during a World Economic Forum summer meeting that CBDCs can be used by governments to control purchases and confessed that he sees such power as a positive development. Davidson argues that money should not be programmable by central authority and should not require permission for peer-to-peer -peer transactions. Those were all of your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Back to you, Adrian. You know, Rudy, the I was thinking... When you were talking about the call centers, I was talking to our friend, Sergeant Jesus Robles, with the Houston Police Department, and he's been working with the call center, um, taking the emergency calls, um, the, what do they call them? I for, I'm forgetting. The, the first dis responder? Dispatchers. Oh, dispatchers. Dispatchers. Yeah. And he was telling me how how crazy it is, how, yeah, especially at night, he works the night shift, and he says um, that there are not enough police officers for how many calls they get every really? single night and they get tons of calls and he says that it's just insane so if you if you would say a prayer for people who work in dispatching um and for people who they're trying to help uh, they'd, they'd be very grateful for that and sergeant jesus was telling me that he's like yeah like it's rough it's like heart-wrenching because you're on the phone with this person and they're like oh yeah i've been shot or this happened to me <laughs> And you're like, yeah, there's not going to be a police officer there for like 45 minutes oh, or man. it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. So and he's like, I just stay on the line with them. He's like, sometimes I'll, I'll just say a prayer with them. And I'm like, wow, like that is that is rough. That's a rough situation. Really rough. So prayers for um, everyone involved in in that business and be able to keep a calm, cool, collected a manner of disposition, have the virtues of calm, courage, and confidence, and um, and pray that they these people are have faith, because I think that'll help so many people that they're on the phone with. Yeah, and the fact that Jesus does that is a beautiful thing, and so that we can have more people who are brave enough to step in and 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 become police officers or law enforcement agents. You know, so that it's a great need. And as a restorationalist myself, you know, I just think like I want. I want to restore order. I want order again, yeah. you know, and, and it just bothers me so much when I read stories like this, that there's, there's such a, a destructive force pushing against these people. Mm -hmm. And and when you hear stories like uh, like from our, our good friend Jesus Robles, 
you know, it gives you another perspective as to what these police officers, what these dispatchers, what these organizations do for our community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the fact that uh, you you get this uh, little tiny snippet of what's going on with law enforcement from your television, you know. Right. right? Or from the guy pulling you over to give you a ticket. Yeah, it's not just that. There's other things going on besides those things that are, are important, too, for our community. Yeah, trust me. I, would, I get just as upset about tickets, but I still think that uh, we, we definitely need our, our officers. And it's sad. Uh, my, my friend Timothy wanted to be a police officer, and I was like, man, dude. Rough life. You're, you're white. Good on you. Like, I, I don't know. I would not want to be a police officer in a major city if you're white and it's like i hate to say that and it sounds like i'm being racist but it's i'm not i'm like this is just what it is other people are going to be racist against you for being white yeah and it's like uh, i am I, I just it's just heartbreaking because it's like yeah i would it should be that oh yeah totally be a police officer you you'll get the uh, the benefits of of having respect right but in our culture we hate the police and if you are and if you're a white police officer oh man um, I have heard stories where people will say um, that if you're a white police officer and you pull over and you're in a difficult situation with someone who's not white, to call in another police officer because who knows what's going to happen. And I'm like, this is just, one, that's a, what a waste of resources. And two, it shouldn't be this way. I mean, it just it's just nonsense. It does not have to be this way, uh, but yet it is. And so, no bueno, no bueno. Anyway, talking about Joe Biden talking about no bueno no joe biden uh ben shapiro put an article out on the daily wire titled joe biden is a liar he knew now i think it's interesting because many people have been speculating for a long time and we haven't talked about this on the show because it's just been you know the rumor mill goes around and you know talking about politics is important but talking about the latest scandal and the latest um breaking news and controversy about a politician does it really matter at the end of the day? Is anything going to really come of it? But finally, we're getting some real information about the situation. And so I think it's finally worthy of discussion. This article did a great job of kind of laying this out. And so here, here's a couple quotes from the article. Hunter Biden's text message to his daughter saying, I hope you can all do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. What did he he just admitted that he's giving Joe Biden half of his salary. And so it's like, okay, well, why is he giving Joe Biden half of his salary? Why is Hunter Biden doing that? It's very interesting. And you're okay, you're like, okay, well, give me some more more evidence. Well, he also says that regarding Hunter Biden's business deals with China, on November 1st, 2013, Hunter Biden and some of his friends created China BHR, a Chinese investment firm. In December of 2013, then-Vice President Biden traveled with Hunter Biden on Air Force Two to China to meet the CEO of company, Jonathan Lee. Shortly after, Lee's business license was approved and Hunter Biden magically became a board member. Hmm. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Or how about this? The Hunter Biden's involvement with Burisma in Ukraine. Remember when everybody was coming after Donald Trump for colluding to uh, withhold money from Ukraine? Well, did you hear about this story? In May 2014, the Ukrainian company Burisma appointed Hunter to be on their board of directors and paid him roughly $83,000 a month for nothing. $83,000 a month. Not annually. Per month. A month. month. 
I, that's buku bucks. That is a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Particularly for someone who has no experience in natural gas. Right, exactly. Someone so. who has no experience in natural gas, who their father just so happened to be uh, going to Ukraine and making uh, deals with saying that he's going to withhold money from Ukraine. I just want to clarify, you mentioned Trump, but it's actually, you're talking about Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mentioned Trump because they tried oh. to indict him over it. Remember back and when he was still president, they were um, they tried to indict him because Donald Trump uh, was talking to Ukraine about uncovering what was going on with Joe Biden. And they're saying, look, look, he's colluding with the Ukrainians and he's threatening the Ukrainians with sanctions oh, and things. And so, I see what you mean. yeah. Got it. And so but yet Joe Biden threatened to withhold a billion dollars in loans and guaranteed loans to Ukraine and boasted about it and boasted about it. <laughs> and he was like, Oh yeah. If, uh, if you don't uh, do this, then I'm just going to call the president right now. And it's like, dude, you just told that publicly. Like you're not even like, these guys are so blazant about it. They just talk yeah. about it publicly. It's absolute insanity. And here's another one. Hunter Biden's connection with foreign entities in April, 2014, Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and John Kerry's son-in-law founded a company called Rosemont Seneca. The same day they did that, then-Vice President Biden traveled to Ukraine and gave an anti-corruption speech about Ukraine. So it's clear that he was running foreign policy in Ukraine. A reported conversation about payments to the Bidens, quote, the head of Burisma allegedly told a confidential human source, as reported in a document Senator Charles Grassley released this week, who later reported to the FBI it cost $5 million to pay one Biden and $5 million to pay another Biden. The head of Burisma was reportedly asked by the FBI whether Hunter Biden or Joe Biden told him he should retain Hunter Biden. He answered, they both did. Very, very interesting. It's, there are more and more people are willing to come out and talk about this. It's very interesting that they're actually coming out to explain what's happening. So we're seeing this more and more. And there's only going to be more things released. I mean, the other day they saw Hunter Biden out in Miami, not Miami, and um, what's the famous place in Malibu? There we go. Malibu, California. And Malibu, California, and his lawyer was ripping a bong. What? Yeah. Well, yeah. it is legal there, I suppose. I guess so. But that's not a very good look for someone who is being accused of being a druggie. Definitely not. So... Uh, let's not do drug kids and also try not to uh, foreign peddle money with Ukraine. Let's not do that. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. That is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So, you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? 
original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, there is this other story that I think is really sad, to be honest. It's a very, very sad situation. The, a teen was jailed for burning illegally aborted baby's body. Underscores how inhumanely the law treats the unborn, reported by LifeSite News. This article was written by Jonathan Van Maren. He runs a, a podcast. We've interviewed him in the past. Uh, Jonathan Van Maren has a great, great podcast. If you want to keep up to date with the latest in pro-life news, Jonathan Van Maren is the man to go to. Now, the ni- a 19-year-old woman, Celeste Burgess, was sentenced to 90 days in prison after pleading guilty co- to concealing human remains. She had procured abortion pills online and illegally killed her pre-born baby at about 28 weeks, which was illegal because the cutoff date was, I think, 20 weeks in the state she's in. Uh, Burgess and her mother burned the body and buried the remains. While she was charged with disposing of a human corpse, she was not charged or convicted of killing a baby. The case highlights the devaluation of pre-born children in America and the agenda of abortion activists who prioritize women's rights to abortion over the lives of viable babies. This is really concerning. And there's a number of things that are concerning. One thing that people did was they all went out and they said, okay, well, we're going to report on this story, but this is how we're going to report on this story. Because other news outlets picked up the story. And how did they report it? They said things like, they said it wouldn't happen. They said it was only in their dreams. But here it is. People are being arrested for having abortions. Mm. That's what they're reporting. And so the idea was, one, they're trying to push this idea that, one, you shouldn't be arrested for having abortion. And I never understood that position from people who are pro-life. People would say, oh, we should not arrest women who have abortions. Why? I don't understand why we would not. Because uh, let's just say... You take that baby, and you take it out of the womb. Now, let's say then the mother killed him. Would you then be in favor of arresting the woman? That's an interesting question. Okay, how about this? Let's say a guy is dating his girlfriend, right? And he gets her pregnant. And she wants to keep the baby, but he doesn't. So he slips her an RU46 pill into her coffee or something like that and forces an abortion on her. What would he be tried with? He would be tried with murder. So why is it that we give exceptions and we give a special right to women to be able to kill their own kids? So we say, oh, yeah, killing a baby is murder, but we give an exception to women if they're killing their own baby, but only if it's still in their womb. Once it's outside of the womb, it's then murder again. And even in states where they have declared that it is murder and states where they have made it illegal to have abortions, it's still the case that nobody wants to prosecute for this crime. The optics are too bad. 
That's very, very concerning. Nobody cares about the unborn. It's the verbiage, too, that they use for these children. You'll see often in these articles, they'll call them, oh, the fetus or anything. So they, they scientize it, right? They, they make it really a scientific name. And they remove the humanity of the child. And so when you look at uh, the way that lawmakers go in, about their business and they create things like this, like laws for, for disposing human body parts or whatever, and they don't charge you for murdering a child, it's because in their mind they have been uh, conditioned by the culture to think that it's just a clump of cells. It's just a, it's just a fetus. It's not a child with a soul. It's not a child that was created. You know, I, this is one reason why I think this story needs to be highlighted and the details of the story need to be told because it does highlight the humanity of the child. The fact that this woman was sentenced to 90 days in prison, but not for killing the baby, but for desecrating a human body. Yeah. I think that's important to keep in mind because, one, I wish that she was prosecuted for killing her child, but two... I think it's sufficient at this moment in time that people focus on the fact that they burn the body and bury the remains. What are they burning? It's a human being. If you look at that child who was burned alive or burned their body, their corpse burned, that was a human body. When you look at the reality of abortion, it becomes very clear what we're talking about. You can't hide behind euphemisms. This is why... The marketing scheme of wanting to tell people do not show pictures of abortions was so successful because they knew that if people see what abortion really is, they cannot unsee it. They can no longer endorse it. The reality of it is too much. You have to do violence to your intellect in order to still support abortion after seeing what is truly going on. It is very, very concerning, and I think people need to keep in mind that this is happening. Uh, the other good news is that the mother who helped this woman, who was the co-conspirator, she also will be, um, might be receiving punishment for this crime. In fact, uh, I think she actually is being, she's being threatened with more jail time because allegedly she was kind of the the culprit of here, she kind of pushing the situation. Now, at this time, the baby would have been about 25 centimeters long. And if you could see the child, the child can open and close their eyes at that point. And they have little eyelashes. And the baby can actually be moving around and change positions. And in fact, if you use a ultrasound and you look at the child in the womb at 28 weeks, and many times you can actually see babies doing little somersaults in the mother's womb. Yeah. This is the child that they killed. That is not a clump of cells. This is what they killed. And the reality of it has to be recognized. Even though Roe v. Wade has been overturned, we cannot pretend this is not happening anymore. We cannot pretend just because Roe v. Wade was overturned and that many states have passed good laws, but the fight is over. Now these laws are passed, you have, we have to enforce them. And people will tell you, it's kind of a saying among a lot of people on the left, is, well, you pass a law, now enforce it. And this is the game. They take control of the institutions, like the sheriff's office, the court system. So pass whatever law you want. 
I'm not going to convict anybody of that crime. So this is why we have to have a total victory. We cannot compromise on a small victory. We have to have the long march to the institutions, take them all over for Christ the King. It has to be a complete counter-revolution, a small counter-revolution. The passing of small good laws are insufficient for victory. Very, very important to keep in mind. Now, kind of the last story I want to bring up here, speaking of uh, bad news, have you heard of the drug Prozempic? Yeah. That drug apparently is very, very bad. It's for people with diabetes, right? Helps. Uh... Or, well, no, it was created for, uh, yeah, it was created for people yeah, with diabetes, it was for diabetes. But it started becoming popular because uh, Hollywood elites were being prescribed it as a weight loss drug. That's right. And so that would be Ozempic and uh, Wegova. And patients have been, have been reporting that they have severe gastroparesis, which is in English, uh, stomach paralysis, as mm -hmm. a side effect of the medications. They've been experiencing vomiting and other stomach issues after taking the drug. This is really bad. Weight loss drugs, here's our problem with our culture. Our culture wants the easy solution. We want, we want the crown, but not the cross. Mm -hmm. We want the victory, but not the battles. And the whole institution of weight loss drugs, of get, get rich quick schemes, all these things exist because people want the crown without the cross. They're losing weight takes work. It takes effort. You have to be a little hungry. You have to cut your calories. You have to exercise. This requires you to chastise your body. Yes, yeah, strangle you your will. Strangle your will. You have to reject temptation. You have to overcome temptation. Avoid but, the near occasion of sin. Don't bring home any snacks from the grocery store. Exactly. Don't go shopping when you're hungry. But instead of that, people say, well, why don't I just take this drug and it'll make yeah. me not hungry anymore? It's easy. Then I don't feel hungry, and then I can easily lose weight because I'm not even hungry anymore. People want to make sure they want to say, I don't want to feel any kind of suffering. Even the little uh, rumbling in my tummy, I don't want to feel that even. I can't resist. I can't control my passions to the point that I can't have see something there to eat and say, you know what? I'm not going to eat that. We don't even have that level of self-control. They have to take these drugs. And what do we find over and over and over and over again? These drugs are bad for you. These drugs start to kill you. Now, these drugs, they, it contains semoglutide, which works as a mimicking hormone, slowing the passage of food through the stomach, helping people feel fuller longer. However, in some cases, the stomach slows down too much. And doctors believe that these there are more cases are going to be emerging as the drug's popularity increases. In fact, the FDA has received reports of stomach paralysis in patients taking GLP-1 agonist drugs like Ozempic and Wigova. So let's just stay away from all of these drugs. Let's stop trying to medicate everything. If you can try to fix something naturally, think about doing that before you start to load yourself up on drugs. You cut out your weight physically, like people doing surgery to lose weight. That's a bad idea. There's an easier way. There's a less intrusive way. And the worst part you were uh, propping up big pharma while they laughed their way to the bank. And you suffer for all the consequences that they didn't tell you about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So make sure you keep that in mind. Avoid the next miracle drug. 
avoid that these uh, pharmaceutical companies do not have your best interest at heart. You know, this is why I and this I know this is not really a great take. This is just my personal thing is I don't I hate going to the doctor. I hate going to the dentist. I hardly go. And the reason why is because I don't trust them. I'm like, you have a vested interest in me taking a drug, getting a surgery, removing a tooth, whatever it may be. You have a vested interest, a financial interest in pushing that. And so now I'm like, oh, why do I want to go to you? I don't even know. I, don't, I have no idea what you're going to do. I don't trust you. Forget you, dude. I'm just going to eat an apple a day. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? So it's very concerning. And I know, I mean, you, I should see my doctor more often. I should go see my dentist. I go get cleanings regularly. I should do those things. It's just, I just, I just very uncomfortable with these people. And I know there are good people out there because I have friends who are doctors. I have friends in medical school. They're out there. It's just, I don't know who these people are. I don't know them. And so it's just, it's just been rough whenever you see these things because people want the easy way out. And I, and the, and the doctors are happy to oblige the pharmaceutical companies are happy to oblige. So what's the answer? The answer is suffering. The answer is penance, penance, penance. So let's make penance today. Whatever you're desiring in your life, whatever you want, if it's God's holy will, if it's something blessed for the kingdom of heaven, God will grant it to you. But sometimes it requires patience, fasting, almsgiving, and of course, much prayer. So let's keep that in mind today. Let's embrace suffering. Let's enjoy it. Let's thank God for it. We'll be right back. Speaking of suffering, St. Anne, a sermon on St. Anne coming up next. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback. That Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 
celebrating 2,000 years of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Serving God's Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, this is KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. Your destination for Catholic Radio, on air and online at grnonline.com. St. Anne. I don't know if you heard the sermon. It was, uh, it was given a little while ago. I don't know. It was a sermon on the Feast of St. Anne, about St. Anne. It was very beautiful. And I think it's uh, worthy of mention. Uh, perhaps, perhaps you were there for it. It was um, it was given approximately uh, six hundred years ago, um, by Saint Vincent Ferrer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let me know if you remember that sermon. If you were there for it. Now the sermon here is really interesting because one, I, I love the sermon of Saint Vincent Ferrer because he gives a great model of how a sermon should be given. Because many, many priests today just don't know how to give a good sermon. I hate to admit it, but I think it's just the case. How long should it be? Uh, it should be as long as you need it to be. It should be as long as you need it to be. 45 minutes. Like, for instance... Um, An hour. The sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer for the Feast of, um, of St. James the Apostle from yesterday is pretty short. It's pretty short. Base. But then some of his sermons are like, if you read it out loud, it's about 35, 40 minutes. So it kind of just depends. He, he just depends on what the content is and, and what, what needs to be said. But the thing that I like about it, though, is that he kind of sets the stage early on. He sets the stage early on in the sermon explaining what he's going to do. And so when he starts his sermon, he kind of gives an outline. He said, okay, this is what we're talking about. Today is the, he so, so I'm just going to read to you what he said at the beginning of his sermon. He says, you have your fruit unto sanctification. This text is found originally in Romans 6 and is read in the epistle of the current solemnity. Today's feast and solemnity is that of the blessed and holy mother of the Virgin Mary, St. Anne. And just as the business of the mass is about her, so shall our sermon be. And if it pleases God about her life, we shall have many good teachings for the correction of sins and the instruction of our souls and good information. But let us hail the Virgin Mary. And so he always sets up the stage and then he starts his sermon with the Hail Mary, and then he jumps into a sermon. And then from there, he kind of sets the stage again by giving some great detail of a pretext for the sermon, and then he lays out an outline. And so he goes on. First, he answers the question. He says, many of you may ask, why is this the feast of St. Anne and not St. Joachim or St. Anne and Joachim? Why is it just the feast of St. Anne? He says, I reply that although Joachim was holy and a blessed friend of God, nevertheless, St. Anne was of a greater sanctity. This is interesting. So from people who say that the church hates women and the church is oppressive to women, well, notice, by the virtue of women, one of women's virtues is they have a greater capacity for holiness. They have a natural disposition towards the meditative and the spiritual life. And this could be a great asset to them if they're willing to embrace it. Just think about St. Bridget of Sweden, which we mentioned the other day. 
she understood her her uh, uh, her faults to such a degree that she ended up perfecting herself twice. Yeah, yeah, I haven't even perfected myself once yet. Seriously, <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way. We'll see if I ever get there. But it's interesting because yes, women have this natural disposition towards the god godly things. And they kind of got feminism has rejected that in women, has suppressed that in women, said, go out into the workforce, go have a career and go please yourself with the world. Whereas the natural disposition of a woman is to have a more contemplative life, to remain home, to care for your wife and children, your husband and children. And these are the dispositions. And for that reason, women, the female saints have always have typically have a greater degree of sanctity than the male saints, uh, first and foremost, the Blessed Virgin, um, and then St. Anne, between her and her husband, St. Anne had the higher position. We can even think about uh, St. Zelie and, um, and Louis Martin. St. Zelie was, a, was holier than her husband. That's not to say their husbands were not holy, but that they were holier. Now here he goes on, St. Vincent talks about it, says, reason because she had a greater relationship with the Virgin Mary, her daughter. For a father participates somewhat with his children, but a mother who bears them for nine months and after giving birth, nurses, feeds, sleeps with them and kisses them because therefore St. Anne had a greater relationship with the Virgin Mary, her daughter, the font of all holiness, who was holy already existing in the womb of her mother. Think, therefore, how much holiness remained in St. Anne who bore her and nourished her by giving her what she had. The Virgin Mary gave holiness to her mother, and so she was holier, more perfect, and more spiritual than her husband, Joachim. What a beautiful thing to think about. That closeness to the Virgin Mary is going to make you holy. That's the first lesson that St. Vincent gives to you right off the bat. Closeness to the Virgin Mary will make you holier. I can attest to the fact that that is true. The closest to the Virgin Mary or as about soon women? As, no, well, both. But as soon as I gave myself to Mary in consecration to Jesus through Mary, my entire life changed. The faults that I had been struggling with for so long suddenly became a lot easier to bear and to conquer. And thanks be to God, some of those faults, you know, I... I have conquered, and mm -hmm. I could say without a fact that it was because of the motherly care of Our Lady. Amen. Amen. Now, here he lays out the outline for the actual sermon itself. So all this is a preface to the beginning of the sermon. Now he begins so the sermon. 25 minutes in now. Okay. <laughs> now we're uh, five minutes in. I think, I, think, <laughs> I, think this one is a, I think this one is a 20 minute sermon. Nice. He starts off by saying, okay, he says, I find that St. Anne bore her fruit, the Virgin Mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, in three ways. One, by desiring at length, by two, by hoping firmly, and three, by conserving worthily. Now, there he sets up the stage. So now he has these three things, and now this is going to try to stick in your memory. Then he will revisit these. So then he says, one, deserving, desiring at length. And so firstly, I say that St. Anne bore her fruit, the Virgin Mary, by desiring for a long time. Now, St. Joachim was a noble man from the town of Bethlehem. And got married and for 20 years was without the fruit of marriage, not having an offspring. And she was so cold of that her metabolism prevented conception. Because of this, she, had utterly, she was utterly depressed. 
The reason was that marriage is ordered for the protection of children. Everything else was not worth a penny. Therefore, seeing that by her natural power she was not able to have a child, she grasped at the four ways that she might have one by the power of God. Now, this is a lesson for all of us. This is a lesson for one, uh, for people who are trying to conceive, but also for anyone who asks anything of God. One, first, through devout prayer. Second, through giving alms. Third, by many fasts. And fourth, by a vow and a promise. Now, this is very important. Uh, we'll get through this quickly because the fourth one is very interesting and is something that many people are not aware of. Now, the first one he said through devout prayer, that St. Anne would weep and cry before Almighty God and beg him to give her the hair a child, knowing that our Lord is faithful. And so he did this over and over and over again. Now, it's important to note St. Vincent brings up the point and says many people who are in this kind of situation where they want kids and they can't have them fall back to evil means. They'll go to a soothsayer. They'll go to a witch. They'll go to superstitions. They will go to all these other things, but they should not. They should go to Almighty God instead and go to him in the name of Jesus. And St. Vincent says, and he says, quote, And so repent and confess and seek from God, because of the fruit of your marriage be useful to your soul, infallibly he shall give it to you. So keep that in mind. The second thing, giving alms. He says, St. Joachim and Anne begged through alms that they gave, and they were rich. But, he said, the first third, not 10%, the first third of his goods he gave to God. The second third of his goods he gave to pilgrims, orphans, and the poor. And the third of his goods he kept for themselves in the family house. As something to keep in mind when we think about the how we should be giving alms. Uh, do we do this? He actually brings up, it's very interesting, he brings up the question of bad clergy. He says, there are many who say, oh, shall I give my goods to the wicked, sensual clergyman? Certainly not. It is said that it is given to God and not to them. So he says here, yes, we still need to provide for the church. But of course, we need to be aware that many of our priests are no bueno. <laughs> Even back then, the 16th, uh, 15th century, he's talking about this. Now, fourthly, he says, or thirdly, rather, he says fasting. We must fast. We have to fast. He says, uh, primarily you keep the fast of the church. Now, the fast of the church are two days in the 21st century. Nowadays, the only days of fasting are Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. That's it. So let me recommend to you, every Friday during the entire year, abstain from meat. And then pick a few days throughout the year, some periods of time where you want to fast, especially, especially when you're asking something from Almighty God. Spend some time and dedicate that to fasting. Now, here is something that's interesting. Vows and promises. He said it is good to make a vow, and that St. Joachim and Anne made a vow, and they promised to God they would give God their first fruits, which is our, our, our Lady herself, and so Our Lady was given to the temple. But he says, but many are damned by promises and vows, making vows and not caring to fulfill them. This is important to keep in mind. He says that it is better for you to not make a vow and fail to keep it, or rather, let me repeat that. He says, it is better for you to just not make a vow at all, rather than to make a great vow, but then fail to keep it. Because you are bound to that vow if you make it to Almighty God. 
if you make a vow to Almighty God, you must fulfill that vow. And he says that if a time is not determined by that vow, then it is expected that you are to fulfill it immediately. He gives the example of many people will vow to make a pilgrimage of Santiago de Compostela to St. James uh, for a favor from St. James. And then they won't do it. And then after they get old, they ask for a dispensation from the vow saying, oh, no, now I'm old and I can't make the, make the trip. He says, do not do this. Do not do this. It is very, very bad for your soul. He said, because there are many who do not care about God and they don't fulfill their vows and therefore they are damned. But St. Joachim and Anne made vows and they kept them. And so if you do this, keep that in mind. It's okay. It is good to make a vow, but only if you keep them. And if you're not going to keep them, do not make a vow. And this recently came up that not that long ago with, with me personally. Some, a friend of mine asked if I would, um, I asked them what they wanted for their birthday. And they said, oh, uh, can you just pr- uh, promise uh, to pray for me every day, uh, every, uh, every year on my birthday? Just promise to pray for me every year on my birthday. And I was like, dude, I promise you that I will pray for you today on your birthday. And I will tell you, I'm gonna, I'll do my best to pray for you on my birth, on your birthday every year. But I'm not promising that I will, because if I forget, I don't want to be breaking a promise. I'm not gonna make a make a promise that I'm not certain that I can keep. Uh, this is very something that we should all strive to do: is uh, try not to make promises. Let our yes be yes, and our no be no. Now, the other thing he makes here is hoping firmly. These people trusted in God, even though they wept over the sadness of not having a child. They had true hope. And they trusted in Almighty God that they would grant to them their desires of their hearts because they knew that the, their desires of their hearts was, in fact, holy, was, in fact, good. They did not desire things of the world. Instead, they desired the things of God. This is important to keep in mind. And the last thing here is conserving worthily. He said, by conserving worthily in three ways. First, in the womb in which the body is formed. For nine months, Our Lady was in the womb of her holy and blessed mother. And St. Anne took care that she did not ride about here and there, as men do, and took care to refrain from dancing because by this, women lose their treasure committed to them. Now, this is probably not true. This is based on the science of the time. But the point that she's giving is that she was very diligent in retaining and protecting what was in her womb. She didn't want to do anything that would risk the child's life. Secondly, she cared after giving birth by nursing her. Many people want to give their children off to a bottle because they don't want to go through the pain of giving, of uh, nursing their child. But St. Anne endured that pain, and she gave and nursed them even at her old age. Now, there's a little bit more to be said. The sermon's almost over. There's only a small bit of points left. So maybe we'll, co- we'll cover the rest of the sermon in the after show, and if not, then you can check it out. Go find it online and read it yourself. You would it was definitely worth a read. But we're going to go into fear and trembling. You could call in right now, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We're giving away a prize from the Holy Land. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. You could be the winner. Call now. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the result of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Ever feel like life's just too busy and too much? There's constant noise, social life, traffic, work, paying bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. See, God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. The phone lines are lighting up. Praise be to God. Uh, we'd love to see it. That number, if you're wanting to be a caller, make sure you keep it on. So if you're not the first caller today, make sure that you call back in for tomorrow. We still have two more days of opportunity. That number, 877-757-9424. Make sure that you are the first caller. We had a number of people call in, so very, very grateful uh, for that. But that number, 877-757-9424. It looks like we uh, had a little bit of a phone problem in uh, the phone lines uh, got dropped. The people who called in got dropped. So if you just called in, well, I hate to inform you, you got dropped. So the next person to call back in, rather, will be able to be our contestant. 877-757-9424. Uh, the first person to call back in will be the contestant. will have a chance to win the prize. That number, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. Call now. We'd love to have you on. Uh, unfortunately, we had a, a little bit of a phone issue, and our callers got booted off. So that number one more time: eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Now you may be asking, okay, what am I listening to here? I'm just tuning in for the first time, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we're listening to the Fear and Trembling Game Show where I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the question. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the question. He's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. The sponsor this week is our good friends Nick and Nelia, and they've generously donated several items from the Holy Land. They just recently followed in the glorious footsteps of our Lord, and uh, you can win all of these amazing gifts, okay? So it's not just one of them, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of a smattering here of what's in here. You could win a cashmere scarf, holy water from the River Jordan, a silver Jerusalem cross, and many other things, but if you do win... You are obligated by law, canon law, to pray for Nicanelia. So 
Keep them in your prayers today. And thank you so much, Nick and Nelia, for generously donating our prize this week. Amen. Amen. We are very grateful. Uh, let's see if we're able to get someone online. Good morning to you. Are you there? Yes, sir. Awesome. Praise be to God. Who am I speaking with? This is Mariano. Mariano. Good morning to you, Mariano. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Frisco, Texas. Frisco, Frisco's Texas. Man, morning. we've been getting a lot of Frisco, Texas callers recently. Praise be to God. It's uh, nice to uh, to get a a different flavor of uh, the uh, the the different stations. Praise be to God. True. Now, what's your favorite thing to do in Frisco, Texas? Favorite thing is going to the movies and a dinner. And dinner, ooh, mm. uh, with your lovely wife, or uh, what's what do you who do you oh, go to dinner? Yes. Ah, yes, <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Uh, we love to hear it, Mariano. Now, where are you off to this morning? I'm off to work. And what is uh, what is work? Are you a um, let's see, Frisco, Texas? Is that that's not wine country? What is there? What work could it possibly be? Uh, do you work in the um, the stocks, that'd be cool, uh, working with those, uh, with the animals. No. No, no, not, not that. Uh, no. Doctor. No, either. Okay, what is it? It is uh, IT consultant. IT consultant. Hey. There you go. Crazy to God. There you go. So you're very aware that um, everyone is uh, tracking our information and we got to stop uh, giving everybody all of our information. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All right, Mariano, you're familiar with the game, and you know how to play. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, and I'm looking at the questions here, and I got to say, I, I think uh, Rudy's getting uh, getting very too soft in his old age. These are all easy <laughs> question Wednesday, all easy question Wednesday. Let's jump into it. Question number one, Rudy. When did the Blessed Trinity first dwell in your soul specifically, your soul specifically. My yeah, soul specifically? Soul. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me just mm -hmm. close my eyes and remember my mm -hmm. first memory here. Mm -hmm. It was at my confirmation. Your confirmation or Yeah, saying. if I remember correctly. Okay. I just had to think about it for a second. It was my confirmation, actually. Okay. All right. I well, was completely, I was completed at that point. That you know? was when the Holy Trinity dwelled yeah. in your soul. Yeah. All right. For the first time. Can you believe it? All right, Mariano. Uh, perhaps you are a wise man who can distinguish between the truth and the falsehood. The question on the board is, when did the Blessed Trinity first dwell in your soul? 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy says it was at confirmation is the first time the Trinity dwells within your soul. Uh, what say you, Mariano? Is he right or is he wrong? I think he's wrong. And he says that I he I is. That's what I heard too. He said that he, that Rudy is wrong, and that is correct. Mariano. The correct answer is, in fact, baptism. So wise, bro. At baptism, you receive the indwelling of the Holy Trinity, and in fact, in times when there was no, there was the time of martyrdom and oppression of Christians, people would genuflect to newly baptized babies. Because they were, they had the indwelling of the Trinity, and they were perfect, had no stain of sin whatsoever. A very, very beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, but congratulations, Mariano. You got number one correct. Are you ready for question number two? Yes, let's go. Let's go, he says. He's confident. He's confident. Question number two, Rudy. 
Specifically, against whom do we sin when we despair of salvation? You despair against the CDT team. Oh! Okay, because, well, actually, you're sinning against is what I would rather say. You're sinning against us because our duty is to inform you and inspire you every single morning, and still you're despairing of salvation? So true. So true. I'm offended just thinking about someone not being informed and inspired. I'm actually getting upset right now. Wow. Wow. Um, Sin against the uh, CDT team is uh, the unforgivable sin, no? Yeah. That's what I've heard. I heard someone say that I read that somewhere. I may have just said it right now. All right, Mariano. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is specifically, against whom do we sin when we despair of salvation? Rudy seems to think it's the CDT team. Imagine someone not being informed and inspired. Crazy, I know. Uh, what say you, Mariano, from Frisco, Texas? Is he right or is he wrong? No, he is wrong. He is wrong, he says. He's wrong. Are you sure? That is correct. Uh, it is correct, oh Mariano. Yeah. That is right. I never blame you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer, do you know what the correct answer is, Mariano? I think it's against the Holy Spirit. That is Mariano. correct. Mariano, I know. This, man, this, man this is guy a, is properly catechized. I think he's secretly a theologian. He could be. I think he teaches at the Dallas Seminary, is my guess. Probably. Yeah, he's not actually an IT consultant. He's actually a theologian. Uh, or maybe that's a side job. That's his, probably a That's side what job. he does at his parish. Right. He's a uh, maybe. Could be. Could be. <laughs> All right, Mariano. Yeah, congratulations. That's two for two so far. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. I'm looking at the question here, and uh, this might be this might be a tricky question, actually. This could be. I could imagine. I could imagine it. All right, Rudy, you ready? I am ready. All right, get your uh, big boy pants on, because this question is huge. What was the frequent shape of tabernacles in early Christian times? All right, early Christian times, right? I mean, we have the evidence in all of the amazing European cities that we can go and travel to, right? So every European city has, just without a doubt, a dome, right? A dome. Because at that time, that was the most amazing shape that you could create. Very complex, very difficult to to master. So back then, the tabernacles were shaped after the buildings, like the Pantheon. And they made them in domes. That's why we still have them today. If you go to your parish, if you know the, the tabernacle sadly is off to the side, it's usually like one of those domed tabernacles. Very interesting theory you have there. All right, Mariano. Here is the question. The question on the board is 15 seconds on the clock. What was the frequent shape of tabernacles in early Christian times? Rudy seems to think it's a dome because <laughs> domes are really cool. They mean they're difficult to make and they're beautiful. So of course, why not a dome? Uh, what say you, Mariano? Is he right? Or is he wrong? This is tricky. I really know, don't know about this. I don't know if it's dome or the shape of the cross. Uh, I think he's right. You're going to say he's right. Are you sure you're going to go with right? Maybe because dome is the building, not the tabernacle itself. Now we got to get your final answer. Yeah, he's wrong. He's wrong. 
He's wrong. He's gonna go with he's wrong. <laughs> he's gonna go with he's wrong. All right, we're gonna see. That oh, is correct. Way to go, Mariano. I like his reasoning too. Yeah. It could have been a cross. I'm not sure it's a dome. It's actually neither. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's typically the shape of a dove hung with chains. Have you ever seen that before? I have never seen that before. Me neither. I'm blown away by the fact. But it does make sense. The the sending of the Holy Ghost, you know, the, I think maybe that's what they were So I looked it using up, as inspiration. and I found some versions of it, and they're actually really beautiful. I've mm. never seen this before, but yeah, they used to have now, I love a tabernacle birds, so shaped like a dove. I'll take one. And it has a little chain on each corner. It's really cool. That's really cool. We'll probably talk a little bit about this in the after show because I didn't know about this. It's really interesting to me. But way to go, Mariano. Stay on the line. Congratulations. And we're going to make sure you get your contact information. But God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day. Thank you. Very good. Putting you on hold. Don't go anywhere. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you could join us in the after show, we're going to be talking about doves. We're going to talk about St. Anne. We're going to talk about tabernacles. You can join us. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll cover. So make sure you hop on with us in the after show. That's Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey, Twitter. Hop on, look up Catholic Drive Time, and you can join the live feed and enter your comment there. We'd love to interact with you. But if not, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Saints Joachim and Anne, the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. Join the great throng, psaltery, organ, and song. Sounding in glad adoration. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, 
and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O Lord God of our fathers, you bestowed Saints Joachim and Anne this grace, that of them should be born the mother of your incarnate Son. Grant through the prayers of both that we may attain the salvation you have promised to your people. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Sirach. Now I, will, now I will praise those godly men, our ancestors, each in his own time. These were godly men whose virtues have not been forgotten. Their wealth remains in their families, their heritage with their descendants. Through God's covenant with them, their family endures, their posterity for their sake, and for all time their progeny will endure. Their glory will never be blotted out. Their bodies are peacefully laid away, but their name lives on and on. At gatherings their wisdom is retold, and the assembly proclaims their praise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God will give him the throne of David his father. God will give him the throne of David his father. The Lord swore to David a firm promise from which he will not withdraw. Your own offspring I will set upon your throne. God will give him the throne of David his father. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He prefers her for his dwelling. Zion is my resting place forever. In her will I dwell, for I prefer her. God, God will, will give him, him the throne, throne of David, David his father. In her will I make a horn to sprout forth for David. I will place a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon him my crown shall shine. God, God will, will give him, him the throne, throne of David, David his father. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. They yearned for the comforting of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon them. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are your eyes, 
because they see, and your ears because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine if you had to be the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's a pretty tall order. <laughs> how do you raise, how do you rear, how do you teach the Immaculate Font of Wisdom? What, what do you do? It seems like this indomitable task. The greatest human, <clears throat> human person that ever walked the face of the planet. You're the parents. Go. What do you do? <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of absurd if you think about it. The vocation that Saints Joachim and Anne had to be the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary, how difficult that would be. And honestly, I think every parent feels that way when they look down and they see this little person that they have to take care of. I don't know if any parent has ever said, oh, I'm so ready to be parents, even after this, the first time. You know, like, if you've, even if you had like three kids already, number four, you're like, I'm not ready for this. There's a certain kind of fear, a holy, salutary fear that comes from doing something that is rather impossible to do. And yet, God gives us the gifts to be able to do it. We celebrate today the grandparents of Jesus, Saints Joachim and Anne. And it's, it's really interesting. I was just with uh, some grandparents last night having pizza with uh, two grandparents and their grandchildren. And the grandmother was describing how she raised her son, so he went off to college, and he was living with a whole bunch of other men who didn't know how to do laundry or mop the floor or do the basic things. And what she was describing was how she raised a son, not just to be a son, but she raised him to be a father. Imagine St. Joachim at Nam, not just raising a little girl, but raising someone to be the mother of the Savior. And that's exactly what this kind of, you know, they didn't get to see the Savior, but they got to invest in, in him. And this is what Grandparents' Feast is, a feast for, for grandparents that we celebrate today. A lot of times you don't get to see the fruit of what you're doing, but you're planting seeds and you're hoping that everything turns out. And in the world today, one of the things we need is hope. To do your vocation and do your vocation the best you can be without being able to see the results, the fruit of your labors. And this happens by way of hope. Hope is that you don't have what you want yet, but you're hoping for it in the goodness of God for things to come. And this is done through the Ten Commandments, through living a moral and just life. And the vocation that we have is resisting evil and doing good. And there's a lot of evil to be resisted. Uh, I say this because one of the greatest places that r describes the prescription for grandparenting and great-grandparenting is when the Ten Commandments were given. Moses 
got the first commandment, and it says, in, this is Exodus 20. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall not make for yourself any graven idols. And if you do this, if you follow these commandments, there's a prescription immediately after it. You will be blessed to the thousandth generation. If you do evil, you'll be cursed to the third and fourth generation. That is, your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will suffer the effects of your ill choices. This is very interesting, this prescription of the law. What this means is you pass on any of your family sins to the third and fourth generation unless you choose to repent. And instead, what you pass on for thousands of generations is family blessings. Now, every single person, every single person has inherited some form of evil, some temptation, some difficulty from their grandparents and great-grandparents according to this prescription of the law. And you can stop this generational continuance by choosing to do good and resisting evil, particularly the evil that you encounter. And this, is, this, isn't, this, this can be a lot of evil. And, and I say this because genetically, scientifically, what is the number one cause uh, what is the number one reason you have mental illness, heart disease, liver problems? Uh, what's another one? It's genetics. The biggest thing in the health industry, the mental health industry, does it run in your family? And heart disease, does it run? And you could be a marathon runner, you can still have problems with heart disease. Does it run in your family? That means that you have to repent not only of the, your own sins, but the effects of the sins that you inherit from your parents, 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 your great-grandparents. And it takes about that many generations to really understand a person. If you really want to understand a person, you have to go back four generations. Well, just because of what people did four generations, you don't have to pay for their sins. You have to pay for the effects, but that means that you can reverse them. That's the hope of Scripture and the hope of of repentance. And so the holiness that we're called to is to change the course of history, change its trajectory. Even if you've been, if been come from a family that's been, you know, really difficult, you can change it. My parents did not allow me to even, I didn't even meet my grandparents until I was five. And then later on, when I was 25, I remember asking them, I made my religious profession and we were sitting there. We had a three-hour conversation and I was asking them about my childhood. Why didn't you let me see my grandparents so much? And they said, because we love you. We didn't want you to be affected by the toxic and abusive relationship that your grandparents would have passed on to you. And I was like, wow, what love they had for me in choosing to stop that trajectory of history, repenting and turning. And they never, my parents never, you know, struck me. They never hurt me in that way, that the way that they were hurt. They never encountered that. A lot of the evil that they had to face, they chose not to perpetuate it. Now that's not what we necessarily, what we celebrate with this Feast of Saints Joachim and Ham, especially with the just parents of the Virgin Mary and the glorious grandparents of Jesus. But it is something that we have to think about when we're following the Lord. Our discipleship does depend on what direction, if you act in such a way now, what will your great-grandchildren learn from the way that you are acting? What lessons will you pass on? Are you teaching your children to be parents, not just to be children? Are you teaching them to be grandparents, not just 
to receive things from you. This is a good examination of conscience. And we pray through the, saints, the intercession of Saints Joachim and Anne that people can answer their call to be grandparents and to, be, uh, to teach their children, not just to be children, to be, to be parents and disciples as well. Saints Joachim and Anne, pray for us. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the Holy Church of God that we may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ and the nations. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all grandparents, that they may answer the call to be holy and to raise holy children who will also be holy parents. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray for all broken families, all families who struggle with all sorts of trial and temptation and affliction. We pray for those who have lost. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray for the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal Blessed Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. All else be not to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking sleeping thy presence my light be thou my wisdom and thou my true word I ever with thee and thou with me Lord thou my great father thine own Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive, we pray, O Lord, these offerings of our homage, and grant that we may merit a share in the same blessing which you promised to Abraham and his descendants through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you are praised in the company of your saints. 
and the crowning their merits you crown your own gifts. By their way of life you offer us an example. By communion with them you give us companionship. By their intercession sure support. So that encouraged by so great a cloud of witnesses, we may run as victors in the race before us, and win with them the imperishable crown of glory through Christ our Lord. And so with the angels and archangels, with the great multitude of the saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Osana in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain the inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with her blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with saints Joachim and Anne, 
and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Recepti salutaribus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, Sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et emitem nobis emita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, Debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon. They receive blessings from the Lord and mercy from God their Savior. 
For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. O God, who willed that your only begotten Son should be born from among humanity, so that by a wonderful mystery humanity might be born again from you, we pray that in your kindness you may sanctify by the spirit of adoption those who have fed with the bread you have given your children, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, et spes nostra salve, at eclamamus, exules filieve, the Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. My name is Vera. I'm from Holy 